This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So... The only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another Yuletide edition of Forever Bristol City podcast. I'm delighted this morning to be joined by uh, Dave Febs, Mark and uh, Ian and myself. We're doing it live on YouTube. If you're watching and if you're listening on Spotify, Merry Christmas. Hope you've had a good one. And obviously, we'll be back again later this week on Saturday morning recording uh, Birmingham City uh, away. I'll review that game. But more importantly, at Vicarage Road yesterday, the final score was Watford won. Bristol City 4, City's biggest win on the road since that 4-0 thrashing of uh, Fulham back in September 2016. First time in three years that they've won three on the bounce. So, uh, come to each of you as we normally do. Quick uh, thoughts. Uh, You first, Dave. Um, Must be feeling pretty chipper. It's Christmas and City have come up with the best Christmas present any of us could have hoped for, really. Three wins on the bounce. Yeah, I, I think I, I remember posting on yesterday at halftime saying I thought that was our most kind of controlled first half performance that I'd seen away from home in a, in a good while. And and second second half, I think if if I wanted to be critical, is that we didn't actually put six or seven past them. I thought it was I thought it was as as good an away performance that I've seen since they since I've managed to find a way of, of watching away games, because I don't okay. go to, 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 to many. I thought it was really good. Excellent. Your thoughts, Mark? I think we finally saw what all the work uh, uh, Liam Manning's been doing, uh, you know, it was the fruits of our labour came off yesterday. It was, it was ability to win the ball back quickly and create numerous chances, um, especially down the left with Mimetti, Knight, Conway. It was just beautiful to see. And we won all the key moments. So there was a slight hiccup in the second half when we conceded the uh, when it went two one, and then we scored again. But yeah, the only the only, the only uh, um, bad point for me uh, was the fact that we didn't win it more easily uh, because we just created so many chances. And the, what stood out for me yesterday was Joe Williams um, came in. People thought that might be a bold move, play him instead of James Lee. And Manning said it was because he wanted fresh legs. And boy, did he grab that chance with both hands. He was yeah. outstanding. 
goal-saving tackles. The, the the pass for Vyman's goal was, yeah, as Dave said, it probably was a uh, probably was a backspin chip rather than a topspin lob, yeah. but it was fantastic. So well done, Joe. What a yeah. win! First one for seven years, and a lot of other milestones as well that we can come on to. Absolutely. Well, good that you know more milestones than that because uh, I don't use a few at the start of the program. Uh, Ian, your thoughts? You were you did a Twitter post uh, which uh, pretty much summed it up, half a dozen bullet points on there. But uh, perhaps you'd like to repeat those or add uh, add to it your initial thoughts at five o'clock. We had this three wins on the spin for the first time in three years. I think we dominated the game for about eighty minutes. I thought we retained the ball well, even though we had a lot less possession than them and they had more passes forward than us. We were clinical. We had five shots on target and four goals. That's 80%. You're not going to better that very often. Uh, the possession was actually 59-41 to them, but we did so much more with it. Every time we attacked, we actually looked purposeful and dangerous in the final third. Uh, I thought it was the best performance over 90 minutes in years. Didn't get any yellow cards. Uh, we only committed four fouls in 90 minutes. And by the way, the referee, Busby, I thought was excellent yesterday. Mm. He refereed the uh, Middlesbrough game be, as well, didn't he? he? Yeah, because he he lets people play, but didn't let anything silly go. And in fairness, I thought it was a fairly easy game to referee. End-to-end um, -end stuff. Uh, we're 15 points clear of relegation. Um, one point off the playoffs, plus a bit of goal difference. And um, it, it seemed to be more of what he wanted. And I was really glad that Liam Manning said what I said after the um, our last win against Hull and then this one, and we can still do better. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it will be not, not too up because we've done that, not too down, but confident going to play Wayne Rooney's Birmingham, who yeah. I watched for 90 minutes last night and they ain't that great but they they have got we need to be very careful from set pieces because they've got some lumps and um they're they're reasonable going forward but as a friend of mine who's got a lot of contacts up in birmingham said their fans are all saying yeah we're okay going <laughs> forward but we can't but we can't defend so um on to the next one and hopefully everyone's fit and we can freshen it yeah. up and make some changes because yeah. We don't want to overplay Joe and get him injured. No, true. Dave, um, I think it was Mark alluded to the fact that the, the key uh, change was um, Williams coming in for James. I said after Hull, um, you know, we, we, I mean, James is one of the stalwarts of the of the team, one would argue, one of the most experienced, but you, you, you get more mobility. Do you think that's why Liam brought Joe Williams into the starting lineup? Because that midfield of um, Williams Knight in a very advanced role and Taylor Gardner Hickman, even the Watford fans uh, I was interacting with afterwards, you know, they said we look very mobile, very quick, one of the biggest sides down there. But as a big, big step, leaving your captain out and handing the armband to to, uh, to Jason Knight as well. Yeah, I think pre-game, one of the guys from um, Bristol World had kind of put his suggested team out. And I, I thought the only change, not the only change, the likely change was probably... Williams for James, funny, funny enough, and, and mainly off the back of two things. One, just a bit of rest and rotation over a, over a busy period. But I actually think that Matty James had a had a poor game on a, on fr Friday night, and uh, 
I think what we have seen with Manning is he's not he's not going to just you know it's not about ditching players for for bad games or whatever. It's just making sure other people um, get opportunities. I've got a strong believer in Nigel Pearson's selection policy, um, but I think at times and maybe sometimes down to kind of injuries and things like that, he was a little bit or he made it a little bit difficult to leave players out. And and I think what we see with Manning is there's definitely a little bit more emphasis on rotation, albeit not not kind of wholesale changes. And I and I do wonder in Matty James's defence where he might have been one of the people who had a had a sick bug back in the week because I've never seen him half a yard off, you know, away from getting balls or closing people down like he was on Friday night. So I, I think it might have just been a culmination of, of lots of factors and busy period and rotating players. So I, I think, it, you know, it was a very sensible decision. And, and I, you know, I've always said, I think Joe Williams is a, is a decent player. I think yeah. with all players, you need a bit, bit of confidence. You need a bit of a, you know, a few games to get yourself up to, up to speed. Of course, he was out injured for a little bit as well this season. So, uh, yeah, no, I thought he was excellent yesterday. Yeah. Mark, you, you said about Williams coming in, all action, player out of contract in the summer. Um, you know, and, and look at the rest of the shape of the side. I mean, Tommy, you know, maybe a chance to give him a rest. I thought he was okay yesterday, early doors. He was a little bit off it. You know, I've, I've written down here that, you know, he's a couple of unforced errors, taken the wrong decisions. But the team is picking itself at the moment, Mark, isn't it, really? Yeah, and that's great for a manager when uh, he can, you know, he, he's come with the knowledge that he can, he can pick the same eleven based on their ability because they they deserve the shirt. So that only changed with with Williams. I mean, Tommy yesterday was great. I mean, we're we're actually seeing the four the four players nibbling away at defenders and forcing them into mistakes with their pressing. The collective pressing is just so good, but it's it did take a lot of time. I mean. You know these things aren't done overnight, and the, the work that's gone into it, you can see how that you know how they they make it hard for teams to play out. But the but the um, the bonus is when you actually score goals from it. That's what you need to do. It's no good just winning the ball back unless you stick it in the opponent's net, and that's what we're starting to do now. Those two games we had against um, Sunderland and Hull, there was no degree of comfort at all. There was a lot more yesterday because we were just so efficient. Yeah. It was absolutely, it was, it was brilliant to watch, you know, yeah. but it's taken us seven years. It was, it's been seven years in the making, you know, four, four scoring four goals away. So, yeah, I mean, it's that we can't, we can't just say, you know, it's turned our season around because you only need a couple of defeats and you're back looking, you're looking over your shoulder again, but it's a, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. As I say, you know, I I feared the worst. I I missed their goal. I'm still having a cup of tea and a piece of Christmas cake at half time. I think I missed their goal. I missed their goal, but I was looking at the league table, and there's three points separating nine clubs. So winning yesterday was a difference between being where we are and right down in 14th. So let's get into the action, Uh, Ian. It was a bright start, um, you know, a little bit end-to-end, unforced errors by City, but we seem to be using Mimetti more, and he's a player that clearly Liam Manning has a lot of confidence in him, even if he's still a little bit erratic with some of his decision-making. But it was a decent start, wasn't it? I think with with Anis, when um, Liam Manning came in, I said, if he can... 
get a tune out of Mametti, we've got a player and I'll start believing that he is a really good coach as advertised. And I think the two things that stand out with a lot of our players for me are one is confidence and the other is belief. They actually go somewhere and think, hang on, we can win. And I haven't seen a lot of that recently. I, I think a lot of the time is, well, sit, you know, if we come out of here with a point, it'll be, be all right. And we're, oh, you know, we're a little bit, oh, not us. No, I didn't see that yesterday. I, I saw a team that believed that they could win and they they could not only compete but win and do well and a bit like uh, I think Dave said we could have got six or seven um, and I think one change you might see for Birmingham and it's not about ability or anything like that would be Naki come in for Tommy on the basis of fresh legs I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Matty James come back for Joe because Joe's got another problem playing three games a week and we don't want another injury, certainly not another hamstring, which is what he tends to get. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Anis is one of those players, uh, they call wingers mercurial, don't they? But they are. And one minute you want to strangle them and the next minute you want to throw your arms around them and cuddle them because they've done something brilliant. And I like seeing people do things at football that I couldn't do. And... He's in that that's quite category. A low bar, <laughs> Sorry, I said that's quite yeah. a low bar. <laughs> no, I, I, I often see things at football. I think Christ, that bloke's being paid God knows how much a week. I, when I was playing, I could do that, but I, I can't do some of the things that that he does. And so, and his first touch is better. He's combining brilliantly with Campering, and Campering is the more attacking of our fullbacks, and George Tanner. It's being George Tanner, and he's a, a Liam. Well, you know, would anybody? I couldn't imagine anybody previously coming out and saying what a great one-on-one defender he was. Well, which is the yeah. first thing that Liam Manning said. He, he's as good as a one-on-one defender as anybody in the division. And that team we beat yesterday have been scoring goals for fun. They just won three on the trot, and that's away. not that's away. That's not a, a team that. You know, is is I mean, we didn't just go out and beat Rotherham. Due respect to Rotherham, yeah. That 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 that's a good side we beat there yesterday, yeah. and a good manager and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I was um, I was very pleased with with Anderson. Well, I don't think anybody came out with it. it. Was one of those games you looked at. I don't think anybody came out of that club. No, there was not a single that came out that game with no. with anything less than a seven out of ten. No, I think you're right. Dave, that battle on the right-hand side, I made note of it, and the one-on-one Tanner up against Semmer because, you know, they're a bit flaky at the back, Watford, obviously, as we showed, but they got some very good attacking players, you know, and we, we all think, well, when McCrory gets fit, you know, thanks, George, and go back to being in the match day 20. Well, but Dave, was... Dave, can you... No, hang on. We well, don't all well, think... We, I'm talking about... All right, not you. You're talking about I you. Said, I'm talking about me, but okay. Yeah, all right. Not, not held me. belief by a fair proportion of the fans, excluding Ian. Uh, no, right? I'm not having that. Why do you held belief is that when McCrory comes back, he was brought to pl- fit that right-back berth, but Tanner plays more performances like that. He's got to make that... Sure, his own, isn't he, Dave? Um, I think with with everything, you know, I'm not going to change my mantra as a squad game. Um, I don't do best elevens, and whoever's the the right person for the for the shirt will get it at the time. I think I think McCrory offers us a a, a different 
way of playing at, at right back. He's a bit of a bomber. I, I think if I've been on before and, and said this, he, he kind of strangely reminds me a little bit of Marvin Elliott. He's a bit of a runner. He might be a bit ungainless, probably a little bit harsh on him. He's probably a little bit more aesthetically pleasing than uh, the, the Marv is, but he'll he'll get about, he'll get in people's faces and you know, and that'll give us a, a slightly different option if he plays him at right back, which I, th- I think is probably where he'll, he'll likely come in, but that's not to say he won't go and play somewhere else. Who, who knows what players will be in form and fit at the, at the point that, that Ross McCrory comes back in. I guess that's the main reason why I never get too sucked into, into, into best 11s. I think George Tanner yesterday, you, you talked about Ken Semmer uh, on the left wing. I thought they had a little spell, didn't they, after probably between about 10 and 20 minutes yesterday where Semmer got on the ball, pinged in some crosses and, and they had a few set pieces that he whipped in as well. And that was their probably only real spell in the whole game, which is, you know, pretty disappointing from from their point of view. Great, great for Mars. And uh, I also think it's second half as well, they made a change at halftime and brought in brought on Martins on the left-hand side. And if anything, he just played out there and stopped them getting any ball to Semmer as well. So I think that kind of didn't work for them as well. And he basically, well, you know, I'd, I'd probably, I was in, probably enjoying the game too much really to kind of be in too much of an analytical mode watching mm-hmm. it. I kind of switched off at that point, but I don't remember really in doing doing no. much more. I was, I was more enjoying how City were playing, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Mark, uh, Dave said they enjoyed a little spell. I've got one. I mean, Max, I've got two saves, one I'll refer to now and then one late on. Uh, but it was that Livermore volley that he uh, he got in the way of that one, I think. But it, Max... was actually, it was actually Aspria. Was it Aspria? Uh, yeah, they it... got it. We got it wrong. I watched the um, the football league show uh, on ITV two, where we were a league game, which was nice as well. Uh, highlights show last night. So no, it was Aspria hit it across his body. Um, Dicky just headed it. He headed it out of the area, but straight to um, Aspria. It was a tough chance, but yeah, I think it hit Matt, Max in the chest. Don't think he knew too much. That's about right. Instinct to say. But he's six. Out. I know he conceded one yesterday, but that's six clean sheets. Number five in the division at a 24, you know, again, some people say, oh, Matt, oh, but, you know, he, he, Dave, <laughs> and, and not Ian, obviously. I thought it was Halloween but, for a minute. Yeah, yeah. He, I thought he, it was a, you could do to a good Lena Rossiter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jones. But oh, Miss Jones. Jones. Yeah. He did everything right. He did everything Max right. Max O'Leary. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, younger viewers. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, you have to be over 45 to remember Leonard Rossiter in Rising Damp. Although Don Warrington, who does the coffee adverts, he's in that thing, Paradise. Yeah, definitely right? def in Paradise. Anyway, yeah. Back to yeah. Max. Anyway, carry on. He, Max is undisputably number one and one of the top yeah. keepers in the division. Mark, or am I being too generous in my praise there? Uh, I don't know. Just... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I never thought. I never thought of it like that. I haven't really looked at it, looked at uh, the stats. I'm just enjoying that he's he's yeah. becoming more of a dominant keeper. He's more confident in the air. That's the mark of a keeper. Um, yeah. I think um, in seasons past he's he's struggled a little bit in the air. Can't forget the Mill game last season. I think when the ball was just knocked over the top of him, wasn't it? Yeah. And they and they and they tapped it in. Some of his kick-ins a little bit loose. I think he can improve a little bit of his distribution. Yeah. But he's a great he's a great shot stopper, a good shot stopper. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean it's 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 keepers. A, what a good keeper is is somebody who 
the defence can rely on to, you know, to, to to keep you know to keep the ball out. out There's you know if they're beaten, if they're the last line of defence, they've got somebody who's who reliable yeah. behind them. Yeah. And I think that they um, they feel confident in his ability. And, and as a five, they're working really well together. That's great. Good good Brilliant. good four we got in the moment plus Max. So yeah, keep it up. Keep it up, yeah. Anyway, let's get into the first goal. Uh, talk to each of you about it. You first, Ian. Just before that goal, um, Mametti, he loves cutting in and he's starting to get his shooting boots on. I mean, you know, as Ian said earlier, you know, 15 shots, five on target. I mean, how many times in the last three years did we ever get into double figures with shots, never mind the ones on target? But, Ian, take us through the first goal. You know, it was uh, well-constructed, you know, but... You describe it as you saw it. The thing that struck me about it is when the ball came in the box, I think, was it a free kick or a corner? I think it was a free kick. No, it was a free, it? It was a free yeah, kick from Taylor. Yeah, it was half. Free, it, free kicks come, half, come yeah. in the box and their defender got up brilliantly to head it down to Cam Pring's feet. And Cam was in an awful lot of space. And um, as he said last, last night, talk about self-effacing, he said, well, yeah, it was me swinger and I swung at it. Um, got it, side-footed it. I mean, the main thing is he kept it down. It went through a few players and into the corner of the net. I, I just think the keeper just couldn't have seen it. Um, and it is difficult. I mean, the one you mentioned earlier on from Max, when the ball seemed to hit him, that must have come through half a dozen players. And and it wasn't like it was, it was a toe poke or something. I mean, it was a wallet. So did well to keep it out. But when he's edited it down, I mean, Cam's controlled the ball. And shot, and with his ability, particularly, I mean, more with his left foot than his right, it's true. And his ability in the air, he should score more goals. Um, so yeah, I was, I was really um, pleased with that. And he's starting to get back to um, Cam, starting to get back to his best. Yeah, he takes time to warm up in the season, Ian, doesn't he? Yeah, because a bit like that last season, he's the better second half of the season player, maybe. Yeah, well, possibly. I, I don't know, but I mean that. That goal yesterday, once again, you go back to this C word again, isn't it? Don't worry, I'm not going to do it. Confidence. Yeah. That that's the that's the thing. If you've got players playing with that much and they believe they can win, I won't say you're halfway there, but you're certainly 20% there. Yeah. Dave, the goal for you, it was uh, Taylor Gardner Hickman, you know, and a, another good performance from him. He's all action, he's certainly good with his dead balls, because how many times have we seen free kicks, not clear the first man or go way over our player, but it was, it was good. And Cam hit it, he belted it in, didn't he? Um, I don't know if he belted it. I thought he was a bit on the stretch, wasn't he? It, it probably didn't mm. quite well, get I it in the right. He was falling backwards slightly, wasn't he, as he hit it? Yeah. yeah. It, it, did actually get, it did actually get deflected. Um, not, not much, but probably enough to take it past Hamru. You know, as we know from his, probably his timing, it's probably not the Chris Packett hands. He was called by somebody. He, he certainly was. Yeah. Um. I, I. I think you know, just going back before or what earned us a free kick was another time where we we, we pinched the ball in their in their third and they they fouled us, put the free kick in. You know, I guess you'd be critical of the defender for winning the header and heading it down rather than heading it up, which is... I thought it was Zach. Good. I mean, Ian said it was a defender, but Zach was challenging him, wasn't he? No, yes. it went over Zach, Zach's head and the defender yeah. behind him headed it straight down to Pring. So right. It's a good downward header, Dave, wasn't it? Sorry? It was a good downward header. You'd be yeah, it was you a were good, a centre forward. Good... You'd be, you'd be yeah, chuffed got... to bits if you did that. 
he got got over it pretty well. But um, I, I'm still ruining the fact that I think Pring got his first first assist of the season on on Friday night. Um, and I kind of see these things going in in spells, and I should have had a little uh, bet on Campering to get a goal yesterday. And I did think about it, and I thought, "Don't be so stupid, Dave." So uh, I didn't. <laughs> Mark, you're just raising your hand to comment on what somebody said, or to comment about the goal, or both, even. Yeah, I'll just fit about Campering. I mean, it's only his second goal for City. The first one was up at Rotherham uh-huh. last season when we resumed. After, I think it was when we resumed after the Championship resumed after the World Cup. And he got a great header um, from a recycled um, corner, I think, from Alex, and a great Alex Scott cross. The only thing, the funny thing is with that, with that ball, with that, um, with that free kick, it's it's in the right area, but we just don't, we just don't really, we, we we're not really getting uh, any anything from free kicks or corners. We can't, we don't dominate in the air. But Ismail, oh God, I would have given that bloke a clip round the air. It's an awful defensive header. You should head the ball out sideways and get the ball out of the area as far as possible. But to head the ball down, I mean, one of the, one of the, one of the funny statistics yesterday, you know, I can't remember which Watford defender uh, got the assist, but there was only one assist in the game because of the nature of the goals. And that was the final one. All the others uh, <laughs> didn't, have a, didn't have a city assist. Mm. One of the top teams for goals from set pieces, Mark. Believe it or not, we are. <laughs> are we? we are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. I see, just thought. Mark, we, I just thought we. we you know, we've been. Place. We've been. Oh God. Uh, I just what, re- what, recently. What you probably. I t- what, you what, something, something you should do, Mark, is go and uh, listen to Luke Williams' um, press conference from a couple of weeks ago, where he gets he talks about why they always take short corners, uh, but he also then also says around you know. You don't have to score from the first ball on a set piece. So actually, yeah. sometimes you might get one, a bit like you said last last um, earlier with the Alex Scott to Campering one. You take a short corner, a couple of passes, and then it gets whipped in. That still counts as a set piece goal. That's you know, it's all, all part of it. But yeah, we're 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 pretty good from that point of view. Yeah, yeah put, he, put it down to the guitar. Really, my head's bunged good, up at the yeah. moment. Once, once again, considering we're not the biggest side in the world. Yeah. Okay. Dickie, Gear, Dickie um, makes a difference. I, I said Tommy was yeah. a little bit wasteful. We had this dominance. We weren't sort of really testing the keeper. I've got here. We had a corner that Williams' shot was blocked. So at least we're getting the uh, getting the shots away. Tommy poor poor touch. I think on the edge of the box in a really good move. Knight and Sykes combining Taylor Garland and Hickman with a cross. And there was Mametti again getting a shot in. You know, it was blocked. It probably should have gone in, but at least he was the Johnny on the spot. But then uh, we got the second goal that our first half performance deserved and which we needed. Ian, take us through that because Tommy was involved with that. That was his only major contribution in the game, wasn't it? Yeah, take us through that. But the, the ball got played down the line. What Tommy does do well is, is run out into the channels and he's gone out into the channel on the left-hand side. And this is the galling thing sometimes. Tommy can shoot with both feet. We've seen him do it. But he gets wide sometimes on the left and not to the same extent as Mometi. But he seems to, he wants to come back on his right foot. But this time he didn't. He smashed the ball across low. Sykes is coming in at the far post. If the defender misses it, he probably scores. Um, but if, if you're in that situation, we've got players in the box, smash it across hard and low. You never know what's going to happen. And yesterday, yeah. that Hoy, who's um, came top of the um, passing accuracy stats yesterday, um, turns it into his own net. Good finish, actually, off the outside of his foot. 
um, put in the bottom corner keep keeper had no chance so yeah i mean that's not always going to happen but it, it and it's the other and then people say oh well we're getting penalties now we haven't got penalties for yeah because we're getting in the box yeah but yesterday we had more touches in the box in watford even though we had, we had less possession uh, less less possession yeah so and that's an unusual one we won more duels yesterday we don't normally do that um so yeah i mean that 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 was one of the quality tommy's a, a quality player but i and i think the thing about what i said perhaps giving naki a start it uh it brum it is just resting these players you know you can be the best player in the world you still get tired yeah, you quickly, Mark. Then I go back to Dave. Go on, Mark. Yeah, so, so, um, actually, come into the come into the the third goal. Tommy did play a big part. That wasn't his own. That it wasn't his only right. uh, uh, right. best contribution. There was a great contribution late, later. So, yeah, I'm foreshadowing. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> Dave, your your thought. We needed that. We needed that second goal, didn't we? Because you go in two 0 up. The halftime talks a little bit different. Yeah, I think I think what I needed yesterday was my stream not to go down just as uh, that ball was played down the line to Tommy, <laughs> because by the time I put it back on, BBC live text had updated and I saw goal hoot and I thought, well, I won't repeat what I thought. <laughs> I thought I thought after all our kind of dominance in the first half, they'd scored right on half time, and then I started get lots of WhatsApp messages come through, and uh, it was it was two 0 and then I noticed it was an own goal. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, it was, yeah it was definitely a hoot, Dave. <laughs> so uh, yeah, once once I re I then managed to get onto Robin's <laughs> TV and, uh, and watch the goal back at halftime. Um, um, but yeah, no, it, I guess the halftime team talk is probably more of the same. In that, you know, it's probably not a lot to to say. There wasn't there wasn't really any things that we were doing wrong or needed a little little tweak to it was pretty much yeah. carry on as you're doing guys just don't let them back into the game yeah but... <laughs> yeah and, and, and as we say you know this has happened a few too many times mark uh and i missed the goal but i know it was set up for uh chak vet zadzi if that's the right Zadzi, Georgian yeah. on loan from ghent set up by asprea uh we have been conceding goals in that opening quarter of the second period and it was no exception because straight away then oh all that good work's undone was that an avoidable goal as you saw it mark i didn't i've seen it. i haven't even seen it on a replay yet but yeah they shifted the, they shifted the ball from the left there was a player in the middle who passed the ball across to aspria and he actually hits the ball um with the outside of his foot uh past the right of, of cam pring and uh Chatmatazzi running onto the ball Garner Hitman should track him better into the area when, it, when he's on the move and he hits the ball through Max's legs from right to left and it's in. And it was probably one of the only times that they did that. You know, they put, they, they actually got a runner in into the area like that. I thought, oh, here we go. They're going to be doing this now a mm. lot. But they didn't. I think that was probably the only time they got a runner. We forced there were a lot of crosses, but there, there weren't any uh, there weren't any dangerous balls like that because some um, city were so solid. But that was the only time we were very open down that left hand channel. Um, Pring didn't really have any uh, have any cover, and Chuck uh, Batadze has got loads of time to run onto it. Garner Hitman doesn't track him very well, and he's. Mm -hmm. Slides is that how you in. saw Ian? Is that how you saw the goal as well? Could have been yeah, defended guess... better. Just rewind a little bit and Campring gave the ball away. He got sucked into the middle of the field and he gave the ball away with a with a poor header. 
um, he headed it straight to one of their players who then switched it wide to the left. And at that point, uh, or their right flank, our left flank. And then you, at that point, he's playing severe catch up. Um, so that was that was probably why. But you're right. I mean, Taylor Gardner-Hickman should attract that runner better. And the ball did go through Max's legs. And the number of times you see it go through defenders' legs and goalkeepers' legs in, in all levels of football is, is one of the things that never ceases to surprise me. But um, it, it, it does happen. And uh, like, I suppose I thought, here we go again. Yeah. It, but we didn't. And that was one of the th other things that impressed me. Our heads didn't drop. We didn't think, oh, no, we're Bristol City. This always happens to us. We didn't start feeling sorry for ourselves. We we started, we kept doing what we'd been doing right the way through. And is a, a time-honoured Gary Johnson expression. Yeah, uh, we, what's he, what was it used to say? Um, oh, memorable. Uh, Memorable. Yeah, it was that memorable, Dave. I can't remember it. I thought of it last night. He's not having the goal. greatest time at Torquay at the moment. I read some suicidal post from a Torquay fan on Twitter X this morning. But uh, we, demo we demoralised them with our football. That's what one of his you know says. Yeah, saying. we demoralised them with our football. Yeah. Well, say actually, Gary Johnson. That's very up that was one of your. You were yeah. good at impersonating Gary Johnson, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Well, Gary. Yeah, we demoralised him with our football. Yeah, not bad, not bad. You've got to work out how to talk like Liam Manning. Dave, that was the perfect response. Barely a minute later, and, you know, we're back to the restored two-goal lead. 3-1 up. Conway, as Mark said earlier, very much involved to Mimetti. Sykes offside? There was sort of talk of that on the commentary, no? No, definitely not offside. Um, I think probably most of us watching it, um, probably expected the linesman's flag to go up because he was so close to the goal line and you kind of often wonder in those situations, how did he get that far beyond the defender from the point that Mametti shot? But he, he was a couple of feet on, on side at the, at the mm. point uh, point Mametti had his shot. Once again, we won the ball back 25 yards out from goal. Sykes fed Conway. Conway shifted it onto Mametti and Mametti did his uh, little left foot um, Shot across the keeper, Chris Packett hands, spilled it to Sykes, and it was in the back of the back of the net. I, I think I think you know, there was a few people last night saying things like, "Oh, it's even Metty Kango on the left hand side." Um, Dave Rennie spent a lot of time with Anis Mametti over the summer, trying to get him to be less obvious about when he goes either way, and trying to adjust his body shape. Dave so that, Rennie, you say there, Dave? Yes, is that yeah. right? Which is shows. He was more than just a physio, yeah. Well, maybe he should have concentrated he's a, on medical. He's, he's, he's a smart, he's a smart bloke, you know. And he's not—he's not necessarily a football man either. He's a, a very skilled professional. His job, you know. I, there's a couple of other things that probably he told me in confidence that are, you know, amazing. Some of the things that that he did in his in his time here. It's easy just to look at kind of injuries and things like that. Is that psychology, as you say, about? Mimetti not being so obvious. It, it's, it's more, it's more kind of, I guess, you know, physical movement and things like that. I think someone said something the other night that it, it looks like he runs on his right hand side or something like. That. I can't remember exactly what what they said, and and he does look a little bit like he's always going to go to his right. And therefore, if you're, you know, when you step up into the championship, defenders get to work you out pretty pretty quickly. That's why you often get, you know, second season syndrome with lots of players. Probably Alex Scott's the one player. 
in recent years that you know just can do whatever he wants can he um but and it's always looks like he's coming on his right and he can go on his left um but it kind of then it's so obvious the defender you know picks it up so they, they did put a bit of work with him in the summer about trying to change his kind of body position as he goes into those dribbles so mm-hmm. you know a bit of credit there for the for the old regime as well you know sometimes it takes time to work out maybe he didn't get the run of games under nigel pearson you know if he comes if he's now going to be a a mainstay of our team, then I'm delighted. I, I, you know, ultimately, it's all about oh, paid, City doing, we paid, doing well. In we, we paid a million quid for him, didn't we? Mark, yeah. you wanted to raise a point just there, yeah? Yeah, I think it's also Mimetta's um, tactical ability. I think he, you know, I think we saw a little bit of that under Nigel Pearson, um, but he's doing it consistently now. He comes inside to create space for Cam Pring, yeah. and, he, and he's also, and he's also. Um, his defensive work in forward positions is good as well. I mean, you don't have to make full-blooded tackles to, to make mistakes. I mean, we saw it yesterday with Sykes had a nibble to, to, to get to give Conway the ball. And he does that as well. Tackling back is great. You know, I mean, it's just, God, it's not rocket science, but we, we're, we're doing that on a consistent basis. But sometimes he plays narrower, sometimes he's out wide. I mean, when we saw him against QPR in the first game, he looked marooned on the left flank and the right back had him in his pocket because he he just went at him so easily, got robbed of the ball, and then he looked like he was dragging him like a rag doll back up the pitch. Mm. Now he he knows he knows when to when to make his runs and what to do. He's a lot cleverer. Mm. And the the thing that irritates me is you know Downsy says um, is saying he's a replacement for Semenyo. He hasn't got the upper body strength for Semenyo, mm. so he has to use he has to use uh, his skill. So um, he's, you know, he's a work in progress. But I, I mean, I'm, I got to apologise to him because I've written a guy off, and yeah. you know, he's, I really thought his, he was, his career at City was over. I'd seen nothing from him uh, to suggest he was going anywhere, and he's, he's proved me wrong. But what I'm, but I'm clueless, so it doesn't really matter, does it? Well, we're not, so it's all we're good. not as close to what's going on there, Ian. I think, <laughs> I think you did say this, uh, or at least one of you has said it that. We could have turned that superiority into goals. We'll come on to the Andy Vyman goal in a minute. But making those decisions, and Liam Manning has said that we're going to be better. We've won 4-1, but we can still play better than this. And I've got a couple of instances. Again, it's involving, uh, one's involving Mimetti. Um, it, it was a wrong pass. He shot wide when Knight was in a good position to receive the ball. And then uh, yeah. just after James had come on for Taylor Gardner, Hickman, Knight to Sykes who shot wide and Conway was free. So, you know, if we can get them thinking, and I think Liam's doing that, we are going to convert those uh, opportunities into goals, aren't we, Ian? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you, the time to worry is when you're not creating any chances. Yeah. That's the time to get worried. Um, and that manifests itself in not having that many shots on target. And, Team senior was a bit of a soft touch and being a uh, being an easier game, so mm. uh, yeah, definitely think that uh, it's. De- I mean, if nothing else, it, it's progress and it's very encouraging. Now, okay, on occasions when you play like that, and I'll say it now, so that when it happens, people go, ah, yeah, but you said it, the wheels have come off because it does whichever way. You know, we've seen the wheels come off with Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea. So if the wheels can come off with them, they can look at Newcastle yesterday. Um, Forest Forest turned them over. So it, it's you know that can happen, and and I'm still sticking to my mantra that once we get 
the injuries more resolved than they are. You're never going to be injury free, but once we get the injuries to key players resolved, I think we'll have a, a decent squad. I mean, I'll stick to the top ten squad, um, but it's such an open division um, that once the players get get confidence and they start moving up the table, games become different because sides are more respectful of us and they'll be yeah. more worried about what we do than what they try and do, particularly if they're not in great form. Um, but if, if, you know, going on history, if you're ever in bad form, we're the one team that you want to play. So Rooney must be rub, rubbing his hands together. At the I, I, I know, gonna, I know. That's we're, it. And that's we're, going, comes, we're going up to St Andrews. And it, it's this been, club for over 55 it, years. You know, if a player's been out for two, is it, this is going back early 70s when we played Borough, there was a team... There was a player who played for Borough, you'll remember this name, Ian, called John Hickton. He was a big centre forward and he'd been out for bloody... And, and he came back and he got two goals, yeah? And, you know, we always seem to be the full guys for a guy who's been out, like you say. Also, we, you know, how many managers, and Graham Souness is in that number, you've lost to Bristol City, you lose your job the next day. Maybe that could happen to David Moyes on the Sunday week. Who knows? Anyway, well, back to the action. It, it won't happen to Moyes, but Rooney. I mean, if I, if you look at his record since he's gone into Birmingham, I mean, bearing in mind they were they were fifth when he went in there. They've picked up nine points out of thirty nine. Yeah, he's so, not doing the job. Dave, the it, substitution. But we must go up there and play like we did at Wat Watford. We must attack. Don't sit back against no, them. Because no, no. that's what As one thing said, we they can do is Djukovic amongst them. Mark Roberts. Hey, Djukovic didn't, didn't play yesterday, but didn't they've he? got... Uh, and I was glad to... See, well, not glad to see a bloke get injured, but Roberts went off um, injured. It looked like he'd done something to his hip. Now, he's got the long throw, and he's one of those blokes that really throws his head at it in the penalty area. Um and, and I think Roberts, uh, you know, if he's out, bearing in mind that their defence in the first half, I mean, milk, seriously, milk turns quicker. So um, we could have a little bit of a field day if we play really well. But St Andrews, I mean, I can remember winning 4 0 up there, but blimey, Bob Taylor got at trick. Yeah, that Nicky day, Moore. I think. Was so, it Bob Taylor? Nicky, I remember that. I, I was at that. We game won there, well. actually, won there under Pearson, didn't we? Uh, um, did we? Yeah, yeah, three nil. That was yeah. one of his early games in charge, wasn't it? Dave, yeah. the substitutions, um, James for TGH, just that's not a reflection. That was the first one, just with 23 minutes to go. And then Vyman and Wells coming on for Mametti and Conway. You know, all of those substitutions, they don't weaken the eleven, do they? Even though we've got this so-called depleted squad. No, I think, you know, probably said before as well, I, I, I think nine subs is a stupid rule. I don't think you should have nine subs. Personally, I'd have, if you're going to allow five players to make it on the pitch, you should only have five subs in total. But that's probably a bit of a beef on my, my part. But I think as long as you've got five or six senior players on your bench, and by seniors, I, you know, I include people like Sam Bell in that as, as well. Not not necessarily your Bowen, certainly not you know, Knight, Knight LaBelle, but people who you can bring on who you think you can make an impact mm. what we've had at times when we've had big injuries and i guess cardiff you know was probably the the, the, the case in point not only did we have <laughs> you know young young joe james making his debut the only senior player we had on the bench was tommy conway who was being eased back from injury and when we made the subs and when cardiff made those subs 
we were right back in the game at one nil down at that point for about an hour or certainly that kind of second or sort of the first 15 of the second half we were well on top of the game and if anything we looked the team that were going to go and go and maybe go and get get a goal and maybe equalize and then the game's very different they brought on subs that strengthened them or gave them fresh legs and they started to impose themselves we made subs that in effect weakened us and and, mm. and that's the and that's the problem whereas if you've got people like Nyman, James, um, who else just looking at my notes, um, Cornick, Wells on your bench. It's a very different proposition. It allows you it allows you to make different changes, mm. but it also means you you're not worsening your side by making subs and and, and that's the, 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 the big difference that's for true. me. Um, I'm trying to think who was who was the game the other week where we, we played where I think pretty much the subs we had, although they were, you know, good players, we wanted to control the game, and actually, most of our subs were people like Vyman and Bell, who were probably not the players who were going to give you control possession. Whereas yesterday, probably, it kind the, of didn't probably really, the Blackburn didn't really game, yeah, might well, well we, have been. Yeah, we took yeah. off Knight and Sykes. That yeah. that you know that was a substitution that went the other way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, I, I think you know sensible subs. I'd, I'd probably like to have seen a couple <coughs> of players get a few more minutes, and I think they would have done if we'd have got that fourth goal. But we we left it until you know 83rd minute yeah and since we're on that fourth goal mark i mean one of the subs that was involved uh in the initial play wells but you talked earlier about the ball by uh williams there was andy vyman you know and somebody said on the otip oh that ruined dave's christmas andy vyman's story is probably in tears now um it, it, it was a good finish and it was good build up as well wasn't it mark yeah, Naki Wells near the halfway line plays the ball back. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, to Joe Williams, hits the pits across the ball with his right foot and chips it over and behind their defence. And they're they're just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Three three players. Vyman's just bearing down on goal. Uh, Hamer comes out and he just he just puts it in the uh, in the in the in the top right side of the goal. Very good finish. First goal since Rotherham last April. 50th goal of his City career. Another yeah. prayer written off. I didn't think he was doing anything either. No. Mr. Clueless here. But what a cracking finish. 50th goal, Mark. 50th league goal. 50th, yes, sorry. I, mean, 50, I did say 50th league goal, didn't I? No. Didn't I? <laughs> so my mind for me brain are working, are, working, are working against each other again. Yeah. Yeah, a renaissance for Andy Vyman then, you know. I mean, my favourite player. <coughs> Good old He's Andy. a hell of a one-on-one All finisher. Hell. There's, not, there's not many times he goes through one-on-one and doesn't score. That's right. Typically, true. he lifts the ball as well. He did, he? Hit, he, he, did he, hits it, it into he hits it around the keeper's shoulders. Yeah. And, and keep it, you can't get your hands up quick enough. Obviously, you can't get your legs no, there. No, he's he's pretty finish. composed good, in those positions. Finish, he's not always composed out. So, uh, you know, on the strength of that finish, do we give him another contract in the summer? <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got to wait until the summer because they, they could all be injured by, by then for a start. And it depends... Who else, like I said uh, uh, in a previous podcast, it depends who else you can get. It's all right saying, well, this player's got to go and that player's got to go and we want to get rid of him. Yeah, but who's coming in? Are they actually better? Um, but, with you know, I think Manning will be, I think the profile of the player will change, but will be absolutely outlined down to the last, you know, down to what size, what size feet he's got. Uh, that seems to be the way 
the way that he worked. He's he's like Guardiola. He's an obsessive, you know. And you think you've had a great game, and he comes on. He said, "Ah, yeah. Well, you could have done that better." And done. You see him do it. Klopp does it um, because they're just absolutely obsessive. And he strikes me as being similar. I'm not saying he's as good as them. I'm just saying a similar well, mentality, that, personality, call way. it what you will. He's heading that way. Dave Thomas said uh, on here, um, and apologies, a lot of people have been texting and I've only just pressed the button. I think I can actually make it overlay as well, but we'll save that for another day. Uh, Thomas said um, we've been eulogising about his performance. If he plays another half a dozen games like that without injury, you see us giving Williams a contract in the summer or do you think Liam's got his own targets in mind and I'll say a name off repeated on here? Brannigan uh, at Oxford. I mean, is Brannigan what you know, Brannigan and Joe Williams, are they same sort of players or are we not comparing apples with apples in that respect? No, they're quite a bit stylistically different. Um, Williams, as we know, is... They can give you everything. Sorry, that was a song title there. You said stylistically different. Yeah, that's stylistic. before my time. Before my yeah. time, I've heard, I've heard of them. I think, <laughs> I think they David, used to play on stylistic, didn't they, Dave? I think. Uh, sorry, um, carry on, Dave. Yeah, so no, they are stylistically quite, quite, quite different. Williams is, you know, I guess, pre-injuries. Williams was your typical box to box, but more your kind of following up play rather than getting past the ball. Um, whereas Brannigan's what I'd call more a kind of progressive player he'll move up the pitch with the ball he'll get on the ball Williams isn't so keen to necessarily get on get on the ball as, as much um, I, I'm pretty sure they're both the same age mm. and therefore I'm you know the amount of money you'd have to pay to probably get Cameron Brannigan I wouldn't bother okay it's probably, fair enough it, it's, yeah. I think Brannigan's 27 Dave I think yeah I think Williams is 27 maybe 28 now okay you know, they're they're a similar age, and would you want to go and spend a, a fee on on that for a player at that age? I I think there'll be there'll be other players that were interested. I think the you know if you were going to get someone from Oxford, you'd be better off going and get McGuane, if that's how you pronounce his his name. Okay, he's, well, he's, got, he's, we've not got long to wait until the window opens, and it's whether we do yeah. our business early. Um, Mark he, Bobby Lawson founder said he'd like them them being the coaches with Young Yaboa. He could be a Semenyo off the bench with the right tutor tutoring. He's rapid and he has got that upper body strength. And, you know, you always want to rein him in a little bit because everything seems to be a bit erratic. But do you think when all the players come back from injury, you know, your bow will still have a place on that bench? I think he needs to go out on loan and get regular football. In in league in League Two, probably. I think that that I think that might help him. I, I think he's there. He's on the bench at the moment because of the because of the lack of the lack of numbers. But he's very raw. We expect a lot from him. Um, you know, it's just he's just not able to control control that aggression. Um, takes too many touches in the area. I mean, there's a couple of occasions where he could have taken shots off. Uh, but I, I think we, if he, if I mean, it helped a lot of it helped players like Semenyo when he went to Newport, you know, beating Middlesbrough in the cup, building this, building this career. So yeah, if he can get regular football in the league, I think that would that would be uh, the best yeah. course for him okay. when the players are back and fit. Ian Bennis said on the uh, text feed, interesting night was captain and not Viner. I mean, what a player. What a player Jason Knight is, you know, and he's playing very 
advanced, you know, and he's got that enthusiasm and, and, and he's a good footballer as well. But, you know, captain for next season, maybe, or um, why not Viner? Why wasn't Viner the next to wear the band? Well, 90 is more likely to call people, uh, to dig people out if they're not doing it. I'm told he'll even do it in training. Um, he's very confident young man. Um, once again, anybody thinking he's a finished article is deluded. He's not. He's a he's a good player, um, but he can improve. He can get 20, 30% better. And that, that will manifest itself in more goals and more assists. But really like him as a player. And he's one of those guys you often hear managers say, well, we haven't got any leaders. I mean, Lee Johnson and Mark Ashton signed 72 players and decided we haven't got any leaders. Mm. Um, I think he's one of the leaders down there. Uh, people like Naismith or others, but Naismith has got has had major problems with injuries since he's been here and he's, he's, he's out injured now. McCrory apparently is a very similar character and a bit of a beast. Um and I think I think Joe Williams as well. I mean, you know, he's not going to let anybody kick sand in his face either. No. Um, and and he's he's a, when he's fit, Joe, he's a he's a decent footballer as well. He's not one of these blokes well, who just kicks. We are all looking forward to seeing Ross McCrory, which hopefully could be in January. And is that what we're led to believe mid, on injuries? Mid January training with the well, he's been training for a, a, out on the grass, what they call out on the grass for a few weeks, but. Training properly, I'm thinking he's going to be available second, third week in Jan. And a bit of news on Eamon, hopes to be back on the grass in three weeks. Skip our fingers crossed for Eamon because it would be two years since he played his last competitive game. It was February 20. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another one. If, if everyone's fit, it probably wouldn't do Eamon any harm to go out on loan and get some regular football. Yeah. Um uh, but, okay, you, well, look, you we've, know, done, it's... we've done the game, finished uh, 4-1, which is absolutely brilliant, coming on the back of the, the win against uh, Hull. Um, Ian, you asked uh, at the Senior Reds, you asked our uh, chairman when the accounts were coming out. He didn't know uh, unless some 48 hours later they come out. I'll start with you, Dave, on this, because in terms of... I'm going to place myself bottom of the four of us in terms of, well, no, maybe Mark and I are equal bottom. But I think weren't you Dave, an accountant, I, Dave, in your Dave? early... Weren't you an accountant in your early days? I am, but, I, you know, I mean, I was discussing... I've, I've been doing recruitment 30 you were pre years. David was press-ganged into, being, into, being, a, into being a football summariser at GW Radio know, West. I do West, know, that was it. we had this little debate, Dave and I, on Twitter the other day, when people are saying about the... Um, the scheduling of fees. If a player leaves for nine and a half million, they could be paying for the next, they could be paying two and a half million, three million. No, I can't add up. 3.175 million for the next three years is the 9.5 million that goes into the accounts. And that's what I want to talk about next is the accounts because they did come out this week. Uh, it showed, I think, a 22 million loss that I felt it would be about that number, but that was after including the sale of Antoine Semenyo at 9.5 million. And that would have included, correct me if I'm wrong here, Dave, acquiring whatever costs were associated with acquiring um, Cornick and Mimetti. But whichever way you look at it, 22 million loss without player sales, 
30 million. Yeah. Mr. Lansdowne wrote out a check. He converted debt into equity for 22 and a half million. But the numbers, you've had trouble getting your head around them, Dave, because there's so much in there. But on what you've read so far, and you haven't done your usual in-depth forensic analysis, what is there to give you cause for concern that you would like further investigation and more transparency from the club? Dave, I think before I do that, um, Tim's just put in Dave hates the Lansdowne. This should be interesting. I don't hate the Lansdowne at all. You need to read what I actually write, Tim. Um, I'm critical of some of the way they run their business. Like I guess my starting gambit in, in answering Dave's question is how, how much should we critique an ownership group that allows a 30 35 million revenue business to have costs of 65 million that's that's my first that's my first point because that's not sustainable and the only way you make that better is by selling players and i think i'm not saying i have the answers but i think there are better ways of doing that and running that operation to not have to have such big losses to to then have to sell players to to support the, the amount you have to stick in as an owner that's my critical criticism of Steve Steve Lansdowne, and and I don't think that's saying I hate them. I don't hate them at all. I don't hate John Lansdowne. You know, seen him at the basketball and things like that. You know, fine bloke. Don't hate anyone. You know, I don't think you know that, that's that's wrong to say that. But I'll be critical of them just like I'll be critical of players, like I'll be critical of managers, and I'll praise them on things as well. So I'll praise Steve Lansdowne here and say he's never not paid those bills. So in some ways, if he wants to pay 65 million for his operation and, and support it, then he can do. I don't think it's the right way of doing it. And we've seen with other clubs like Luton and Brentford, there's a different way to do this. And actually the, the best way of, my view of the best way of, of doing it is you do that through strong recruitment and strong academy. And I think the academy bit we're getting right. So, you know, if you want to put that down as Steve Lansdowne, you can have a tick in the box and that's another reason for not hating it. Um, but I think if you look at recruitment over the years, it's not been good enough. And we go back to the Mark Ashton days and, you know, Mark said, oh, we're world leading. You'll be surprised at the number of clubs who've come to look at our recruitment operation. Well, if they didn't look at it, they'd probably have a look at it and say, that's probably not how we want to do it, guys. What I would say, and this goes back to probably another point you made earlier on, uh, Tim, was the reason I think recruitment has improved in the last two and a half years is because Nigel Pearson and Richard Gould between them set a strategy um, of how we're going to recruit, what types of players we recruit. Ian talked earlier on about, you know, shoe size. I know he kind of meant that facetiously, but one of the key things that they look, they, they recruit to is players that can run and run and run. And Liam Manning said that in his first interview, successful sides can run and run and run. Man City probably do you know, in Liverpool and teams like that, they probably do as much running and purposeful running is probably the right thing to say um, than any other side. You know, I go back to the Liverpool team in like the 70s and early 80s. Everyone used to say how hard they used to work when they had the ball and when they didn't have the ball. And I think those fundamentals are there and, and Liam Manning wants that. So the first thing we'll look at is, you know, because actually we want to get to the Premier League and that's one of the fundamental things you need in the Premier League to be able to run and run and run, especially when you're playing teams that actually aren't going to let you have the ball very much either. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, I think you know I've probably digressed a little bit away from the finances. I say Steve Lansdowne can do what he wants. He, he owns the club. He's, he's told us that. Um, but I think he could be a lot more efficient with how we recruit him. I I think we've seen some some you know some some progress in that some area. Progress. So fair play to them. And I think you know I know Brian Tinian's got a load of load of stick, uh, you know, on on the forums and social media. I've got no beef with Brian Tinian at all. I, I, I don't have that baggage around when he was manager because I wasn't really watching City much in those days anyway. It's a bit like when G- Lee Johnson was a player and people have got the baggage around that. I don't have that with him as well because I didn't see him play. Um, so I'll judge Brian Tinian on on what he's done. He's done a good job with the, the academy for his role that he plays there. And he's been part of the recruitment setup for the last at least kind of like 12, 18 months. Um, so I, I think we we let those guys get on with it. And and hopefully we'll rec- we won't waste as much money and we'll also have, you know, more saleable assets as well. Yeah. So sorry, I've probably I, I said, deviated away from your question a bit, Dave. But no, I, no, not at all. I'll come, I'll come on to Ian and Mark. I'll, I'll let you have a say as well, because I think Ian and Dave have probably got more substance on this than us but Dave's used the term waste I've said Steve Lansdowne has been a fool with his money because somebody's into 300 million if you include the infrastructure costs as well uh, but you know losses are more than half of that 300 million that he's put into the club what's your takeaway um, based on an initial review of those accounts for 22-23 the thing that, that, that stands out for me where there's been a <clears throat> a major increase, I'm actually trying to find the page on the accounts. Excuse me if you can see the top of my head a little bit. But we've, our staff numbers, the, the two areas where they've reduced are players. So it's reduced from 90 down to 76. And football support, which is reduced from about 140 odd down to 120 odd. But the number of people that we've got involved in uh, food and beverage. Um, Dave's is, holding uh, the numbers up, but Dave, they're back to front. Mate. Oh, nuts. <laughs> Get a mirror. I thought you were written those in Russian, Dave. <laughs> food and beverage is. Um, is, is uh, doubled the, the number of staff in food and beverage. Now, the only thing I can think, and we are, as I said in the last uh, podcast, we are going to be doing an interview with uh, Gabby Marshall, Dave and I, and uh, uh, with questions that we're in, also inviting people. You can send them to me on Twitter uh, if you want, if you want a particular question asked. Um, and we'll also be doing one, I'm pleased to say, with Brian Tinian. Um, which will probably be after the transfer window because I bet he's a bit of a busy boy at the moment. Um, but th- that surprised me. Now, the only thing I can think that is, is that we've taken over uh, employing people directly that were previously employed through an agency. Yeah. Uh, because our wage bill is 36 million. Um, or wage uh, costs are 30, well, wages, 36 million. Now that isn't footballers. So um, I got in touch with Kieran Maguire, Price of Football, who, who does this thing for a, a living. And I said to him, how do you, when you've got a set of accounts like this, how do you calculate what the players' wages are? And he said, 
Um, it's uh, I use the same formula for every football club and it's based on a percentage. So I thought, well, that's not that doesn't sound hugely accurate to me. Um, but I do notice on um, a, a spreadsheet that there is weekly wage is one and the weekly wage which i guess is wages paid weekly is 15.4 million a year now if you divide that by the number of players it comes out about five grand each now i'm not suggesting the first team players earning that we probably got kids down there earning buttons that are in on women that are included in those 70 players so i think that'd be a very interesting question um because this point about you can't see there was always a claim that oh well Nigel Pearson's reduced the wage bill because he's let a lot of players go and he's had to do that and he's had to play kids yeah but what what is so when I see the average weekly wage quoted I really I, I'm uh, a little bit skeptical yeah all right Dave, let so, me, Dave's got a question yeah yeah just just on that Ian I think there's there's a there's a couple of things so obviously the, the numbers of staff have gone up because concerts okay that's the that's the main the main reason for that that big so Dave sorry to interrupt but those concerts therefore the, the commercial revenue in these accounts that's what I thought yeah they are yeah so in, in the way that the, the club the club does get it it's not like it goes into some bristol sport ethereal pot somewhere and no, no. it just disappears no no so so it, it, it's quite simple um yeah um, i think there was another thing on the poster so we've got bristol city holdings is a non-trading entity there are three main elements to it bristol city the men's under the Bristol City men's is Bristol City women's, which is, in the grand scheme of things, quite negligible in terms of the amount of money, you know, in the context of the rest of it. And then you've got Ashton Gate Limited. Ashton Gate, Ashton Gate has got, and I'm probably going to say, I'll probably get this slightly technically wrong, but, you know, I guess people can pick me up on it. But they've got three main sources of income, Ashton Gate Limited. They've got all of the gigs, concerts and anything else that they run their christmas parties you know events that they hold you know for corporates going in there etc that's one and that's i guess a fairly big slug of their of, of that revenue sum you'll see in there the other two areas of income they get are rent from bristol city football club for use of the stadium and rent from bristol bears for use of the stadium so those are their three main income lines do you know what those area. numbers are dave for the rent because we we often no. talk about we we don't because we often no. talk about and we well, i'd say i've often said about one way for the lansdowns to get themselves out of the football is to hive off the football club separately mm -hmm. and then ashton gate charge the football operation a rent based on what division we're in and if we knew yeah. what that number was that gives some indication of what they perceive the market rate to yeah. be does it not so so i think just just going on from that again i think if you look at and i'll, I'll, I'll probably answer this in a couple of parts um revenue's gone up by what's it gone up five million or something like that yeah costs have gone up five million as well 
or maybe it's like six million and six million. I can't remember the figures off the off the it's top. top five now, but yeah, yeah. So, so effectively, I, I kind of see that as a, every pound we spend, sorry, every pound we earn, we also spend a pound, which you know is probably not quite what we really want to do from from you know Bristol City Holdings' point of view. We'd like to as the more and more concerts and gigs and corporate stuff we do, you'd hopefully there'd be you know more profit generate that out of that and until we see the individual accounts of both bristol city football club and ashton gate limited it's very difficult to look at the the apportionment but you know wages have gone up because and you know this is i don't have a spreadsheet for this as someone on the forum was was, was horrified that i think we had three gigs in the financial year last year and we only had one the year before and and therefore you know we will have needed more staff to cover that so I suspect a lot of that food and beverages picked up because we did three times as many gigs as what we did. I think we interest to see the, the income and the costs again, the individual account. And the other really, really important things, yeah. important point to, to make here is that a lot of those costs are because we did a 13-month accounting period. Yeah. So you've got 13 months worth of costs in there. But what happens in the summer? From a, a football point of view, we don't make any money. So revenues don't really go up, um, but costs do. And the other subplot to that, and this is someone else is giving me the information, so it's not stuff I, I particularly had picked up myself, is that because we now get, we went from the 1st of June accounting period of one year to the 30th of June accounting period of the other, that includes in last year's figures two years' worth of end of year contract bonuses so normally you only have one year because there'd only be one year covered it so when we look at so the that's wages, why the wages are higher than one might expect because you've got those loyalty bonuses in doubled up yeah and, and what we'll we'll see when we see the bristol city football club accounts is hopefully it'll come out of that saying that actually if you kind of do a, a, a simplistic you know times it by 12 and divided by 13 to bring it back to a a normal period you then see a kind of more baseline wage but you'd still then have to look at it and say yeah. how big are those kind of end of contract bonuses or end of end of year bonuses and and i think the other thing that's in the accounts are i'm going to I'm, I'm do a bit of an accountancy lesson today even though i'm not an, I'm, I'm not an accountant is because of once again that extension of the year the signings of ross mccrory and rob dickey went into set of accounts that have just been published because they, they were signed they were signed ahead of yeah you'll actually see in the accounts there's 4.4 million worth of acquisitions now so there's they no were worth... signed before the first of july those two players yeah. interesting i didn't that's a very yeah. whereas jason knight will be in next year's accounts yeah. and so... alex scott sale will be in next year's accounts all 25 yeah. million of it unless of course yeah. this is the conversation we were having dave Alex Scott, we got to quote Steve Lanza, we got our 25 million. But if the base fee on Alex Scott was, call it 18 million, which quite nicely equates to the 20 million euros that was banded around at the time, and the 7 million in add ons, 23, 24 accounts would have the 18 million. And then the other seven would only come in in the financial years where it was triggered or he was sold. And they crystallise then. All right, that's I think a very interesting point. There's a nice yeah. little page in the accounts, Dave, right near the end. Um, I think it's something like point twenty six okay, or something like that, which says 
since the end of the since these accounts are prepared here are some of the things that we've done it doesn't say right. that it, it it alludes to that and it says we had a net ins and outs on transfers of 18.99 million and i believe that that probably means we sold alex scott for 20 million pounds up front we've got a little bit of money incoming from hanoa masengos um post-contract end transfer to Burnley because they'd have had to have paid us compensation or agreed yeah. a fee minus the amount that we've right. paid for Jason Knight. And it, I think that, to me, says Alex Scott is around the 20 million mark, okay. not the 25 million as an upfront fee. Uh, yeah, and I didn't think... Right, Mark, go on, you sat there very patiently listening through like, Really, really interesting. Sorry, Mark. Yeah. No, no, uh, that's sorry. Forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm clueless, clueless with all these finances. The only thing I would ask, some of my other fans might be asking, is financial fair play still based on three years of cumulative debt uh, with, a, with a ceiling? Uh, where are we with that? And what are the rules at the moment? Dave, can you? Or, well, let Dave do uh, You go on, you go in. First of all, it's not. The important thing to remember, Mark, is not debt, it's profit and loss. Okay, so our net debt, and I think from reading these prices, uh, most of that is to Steve Lansdowne, is, has gone up to about 97 million. Um, so one interesting is, so, so keep that in mind. Now, one of the questions I want to ask Gavin Marshall, the last time I asked, Gavin and the last time I asked Steve Lansdowne they both said well I'll be totally honest with you the EFL haven't really made up their mind yet so we know it's as it was the 39 million but what they haven't said is what they're going to do about Covid now some of the other clubs that have put their accounts out were in a similar position Stoke was one and I think Middlesbrough was another and they included things as far as I know um like lost transfer revenue that people were banging on about. So there is an allowance now, whether they say, well, look, what we're going to do, we're going to extend that period by another, I don't know, two years, one year. Ipso facto, you get another 13 or 26 million quid worth of allowances. But Gavin Marshall's absolutely convinced that financial fair play isn't going to be a major problem. Obviously, having sold Alex Scott, that that gives us that, if you want to call it a get-out-of-jail-free card. In terms of, of, of <clears throat> costs, I mean, one good thing, well, there are a few good things, but one good thing is we're now uh, wages, and this, this may sound ridiculous, and it, in a way it is, uh, wages is, are 98% of income. Now, when people say, well, hang on a minute, that we've still got to be losing a lot of money we are uh but two years ago they were 120 summit percent weren't they 200 212 percent and that is financial year 21. it was 212 percent of income but you can go back as far That's as covid related wasn't it so yeah but you go back to 2013 and 2014 and it was 171% and 185% then. Yeah. So well, that's, that's this is one of the criticisms that, no, this is one of the criticisms that Dave and I have had for ages that that percentage is just ridiculous. 
Now, NHS is one of the biggest employers in a country and they've got hundreds of thousands of people, right? NHS was an economy. It'd be the 20th biggest in the world. Their ratio of, uh, if you will, cost to, to staff is 42%. But a lot of football clubs are in this same in this same boat. Um, so it, it's a... It's a people say it's neat. It's a it's a weird old industry, um, and quite how some of the clubs get away with it, I'm I'm really not sure. Uh, but right. that is that is one good thing. But I would like to find out what these this weekly wages and and how it's how it's calculated. That's not I'll just, actually. I'll just make account. one point That's, on wages. Well, Kieran, Kieran. One point on wages. This is where it's a little bit confusing, and I haven't looked at the accounts at all, the printout or whatever. But when all these catering staff coming on, you know, you can bring on 400 catering staff, but they're not full-time equivalents, right? But if you take those numbers, they're probably just a little bit above minimum wage and they dilute. You almost want to break out the football wage costs, as in players, from all the infrastructure costs, yeah? And what is the cost of the infrastructure of keeping the club going and that's where the comparison with your Millwalls and your Brentfords and your stuff like that what is the actual physical cost of running the entity and where is the wastage yeah because well, you bring the, all the these physical... staff on they're on they're not full-time yeah so you could bring on 30 staff and if they're only doing 10 hours a week on Saturday you know it's nothing right Dave, then you, Ian. Dave, what were you going to say? Yeah, just going back to, to Mark's question. So, yeah, we're in no danger of FFP because we've sold Alex Scott. So we can, you know, unless we suddenly went out and spent 25 million in the January window, so which we're not going to do. So we can we can not worry about that. COVID rules are, are all done and dusted. There are no more COVID allowances out there. Ian, your point about people like Stoke and Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest were another that put COVID transfer losses and various other transfer expenses in their accounts and, and we didn't um i think that's just i guess them trying to perhaps be a little bit um i was going to say the word open that's not I, I guess if they put it in their accounts they're almost saying well it must have happened and therefore the efl must accept it bristol city chose not to do that but as part of the submission into the, the efl as part of their profitability and sustainability you even if you put stuff in like Forest and Middlesbrough and uh, did, you still have to qualify it where a city would have put an appendix into their accounts and said, and here are all the COVID allowances that we're putting in for our account. So even though we made X million loss, we're actually, we only want to put in, you know, 10 million for FFP as opposed to 20 million for this year. So that's the way it works on that. Future, there, there is going to be a change. We think it's going to come in next season. Um, and that's that we're going to move much more closely to League One and League Two, which is called Salary Cost Management Protocol, SCMP, um, which yeah. is what FIFA or UEFA, I can't remember which body it is, are starting to dictate, which is much, it, at the end of the day, it's not hugely different. It, it, it's still looking at cost versus income and having a ratio, um, but there'll be, once again, limits on losses but you'll also have to make sure that your wages are within a um, set percentage of your turnover. That'll initially probably start at about 90%. 
um, and over three years it will roll down to about 70 percent sorry i've just got someone at my door about to deliver a parcel um so yeah so that'll that'll change i'll let ian answer while i go and do that on yeah go on go on ian. <laughs> the important thing to remember is when we send the accounts off to the efl there'll be a different set of accounts uh, because they won't include the women, they won't include Ashton Gate, and they won't include the academy. So, because all those things, we could go out, Steve Lansdowne could go out and spend another 100 million on the stadium, and it, it would have no uh, influence whatsoever on profit and sustainability and financial fair play. However, it may, it, it could increase the debt, which which is what you've got to understand between the balance sheet and the profit and loss account so um i mean steve's now put in 267 million pounds to the club and as we've said on previous podcasts from a footballing perspective he ain't got much to show for it um so far so, so far um but yeah let's uh but looking on the bright side let's hope we move forward and we start doing really well and uh, he will have something to show for it. But no, I, I think th these accounts, I didn't think we would lose. I thought we'd lose, but I didn't think we'd lose that much. Um, but you've then got to deconstruct it all and think, well, OK, what have we put in this year that we won't lose next year? What's it going to look like next year? We know the market we're shopping in on transfers because that hasn't changed since the summer. So it's going to be League One, League Two. Um, preferably League One, and it's going to be out of contract players that are in the championship. Yeah. And I think a couple of signings um, in, the, in this January window will be of the same ilk. Um, so, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to see what we do. Hopefully we can do our business early and get the players integrated and then get um, the... Um, and then get start getting those injured players back and then we can actually see what they're like and we can see if we got a top 10 squad a top six squad or or whatever well, i suppose if you finish in the top six you've got players coming if you finish in the top six you've got top six squad yeah and look it's not beyond the realms of possibility with birmingham and millwall coming up that we could just get into that sixth slot going into uh 2024 at five o'clock on 2024 we could uh, january the first you know there's two i mean we could easily lose the next two but you look at birmingham away on their current form and millwall at home on new year's day bit of a hoodoo side for us but you know we could be in a very nice position in the build-up to the uh in, in the build-up to the game against uh west ham and then closely followed by preston away and then and they're in a bit of disarray at the moment after their start their manager Getting the wrath of their fans with some of his uh, beat, comments. Beat Leeds um, yesterday. Yeah, they got they they still beat Leeds, didn't they? Two one. They did. No, yeah, Messi. Messi. A, uh, he got sent off. Watford. Didn't they? Watford course, yeah. I, when was the last time that happened? That the return fixture was played barely a month after the initial fixture. I don't well, they used that. to they used to play. I think we were in, in the second division. You know, around the time of the promotion season. You could play the same team within a few within a few days yeah. of each other, and then going back to Christmas Day and Boxing Day in the forties and fifties and beforehand, you played back to back fixtures on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. They did. God yeah, knows how they right did. There, Mark. 
Yeah, yeah. How, they, how they manage that, and the teams, of course, would go up on the train, and then you knew immediately you'd been on the uh, you'd been on the wine the previous day. There were some right funny results back in the day, weren't there? All right, look, yeah. that's really good. I think we're done uh, for today. Um, we're looking forward to uh, Birmingham City. We'll be doing our review of that game on uh, Saturday morning at nine o'clock. The YouTube version up on po- uh, the uh, podcast later on. Um, but it's this sort of funny time between Christmas and New Year, isn't it? I mean, it felt like a bloody Saturday yesterday, and today feels like a Sunday, but it's actually bloody Wednesday. I'm going to get back to uh, learning how to play my clarinet, yeah? So uh, I may even do the intro music on that, or I'll bring it along. When I feel I won't make a tit of myself, I will bring it along on the broadcast. No, that's really good. Good for you, My ambition, my ambition by this time next year is to be able to play Stranger on the Shore by local musician Acker Bill. Sorry, Good old Acker. There's a good Pensford name there, isn't there? Or a good Bristol, well, Bristol that, name. That's something to really look forward to. It, it, yeah, not great to see we actually hit three figures in terms of viewers on the YouTube channel. Thanks for that, Dave. Great to have you on, as always, uh, with your comments on the finance, but also on the game as well. Any any final words from each of you? You know, wishes for the new year and what have you. I have to say one other thing as well: the cult of Nige, which we what is the you cult did say cult? Nige? Yeah, cult. The cult. Right, people, they're, they're actually criticizing Liam Manning for his use of the word behaviors there's a whole thread on there about his physiology they're not not criticizing it got taken out of context all right sorry dave yeah i know i did so with the so david of the brotherhood of manning hit back at the cult of nige yeah because obviously all (laughs) these rival factions i i have i'm gonna lay claim if we do carry on in this form to the first use of the phrase manning's marbles but there we go Dave, what any parting shots from you just to wrap up today? Um, yeah, I guess you know, happy new year to anyone, but just anyone who's been typing in things, anyone got one of those um inflatable uh, air pumps I can borrow, please? <laughs> yeah, for your inflatable Nigel, but there we go. And Mark, anything anything from you? Are you working this week or are you? No, Nigel? I'm trying to get, I mean, I've my my Christmas has been spoiled a bit by a really heavy cold. So oh, if, yeah. if I'm frowning a lot, it's because my eyes are so All sore. Right. You're not going to increase your Imelda Marcos shoe collection that we can see. No, no, I go, no. Work with, I think you should go away and work on your Leonard Rossiter and say, um, well, how do you think we're going against uh, Birmingham? Yeah, yeah. Liam, Liam Manning. Yeah. Pressing, oh, really good. <laughs> Ian, any final shot from you? It's too early to say. Uh, it's too early to say Happy New Year because we're, we're on a game before the New Year. Ian, well, I hope everybody has had a great Christmas, and I hope everybody does have a fantastic <coughs> New Year, including all the players, the team, and the fans. And let's get to the end of the season, and let's get in those playoffs, guys. Yeah, well, um, yeah. I'll do carry the on usual and get. We'll carry I'll start doing backflips. I'll start doing backflips when we get to 50 points, do my usual things. I know Dave likes that. Um, so I'll, um, but, but no, for me, it, it was great to, we've now won three on the trot. Let's not do the usual Bristol City thing and disappoint. Let's, yeah. let's go on and really start and start smashing teams. Well, let's keep like Downsy yesterday, then. And with the players coming back. Sorry? You sound like Downsy yesterday. At halftime, he said all the things that no self-respecting football fan 
would would ever say talks about like oh two nil up you know blah 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 and it was like boundy you've not got a clue mate you don't say those things <laughs> he didn't mention what, did a dangerous say, lead because he, like, he, he, he takes it like two nil being a dangerous score or anything like that oh, it's just it's yeah. just like no it's like it, it's a bit, cliche yeah it was yeah I'll tell you what I did notice. You might have noticed Chris Honor was very husky yesterday. Chris Honor was very because Dandy said Dandy was referring to either being ill or um, having a hangover. He actually said, didn't yeah. he? There we go. <clears throat> anyway, guys, you... listeners, everybody, enjoy the rest of the Christmas break. We look forward to uh, trying to entertain you and talking <clears throat> when we record post uh, Birmingham City on Saturday morning. But thanks everybody for listening, and uh, see you all again soon. All the best. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Really, Bye-bye. I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Richard Robbins out, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-